Welcome back, everybody, to another week of The Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing absolutely fantastic. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, quick reminder, this is a big week. Tomorrow, the race between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock will be taking place. I will be covering that live, so please, uh, please join us. It'll be lots of fun. But we got to waste no time up front because so much to discuss in today's show. Let's dive in. Elon Musk, he warned us that a big humongous gargantuous bombshell <laughs> was coming and the most interesting part about this what was supposed to be a bombshell to the right wing was that it included hunter biden and supposedly joe biden's interference using twitter and the election how it all proves that trump should really be our president and then it dropped the twitter files as it's called and it did not prove any of that. And it was very sad for the right wing, in my opinion. But let me kind of lay the groundwork and tell you how this went. So like I said, Elon Musk, being the new owner of Twitter, was hinting and then said, I'm about to hand over all of this documentation of what I now have access to as the person owning the company of Twitter, of the communication and coordination behind the scenes within Twitter in relation to a few different subjects, but specifically, again, the one most cared about by the right wing was hunter biden and matt taibbi the journalist is going to get to look at all of this and publish a story the twitter files about it so this was published on twitter in a twitter thread which to me for something that's supposed to be the biggest bombshell ever felt a little weird um just getting released like this in this format on twitter but whatever i guess it's about twitter so throw it up <laughs> on twitter and walked through what was supposed to be just the biggest story you've ever seen in your life and i was very underwhelmed i'll say now we're going to walk through a few of the key components but overall it's trying to be framed as this is a larger conversation about twitter's effect on our election processes or the possible governmental influence in that and I think there's a very long, nuanced, and fair conversation to be had about how do we manage this new world that we're in with social media that has such an outsized effect in our political process? And how do we make sure that that doesn't disproportionately hurt or help different individuals, different political figures, and make it as fair as possible? That's a conversation we should have. The part of this that the right wing is wanting to focus on and what we'll also kind of in a mirror form focus on is the Joe Biden component and what's supposed to be showing his horrible interference, which again, just wasn't there. So it started with Matt Taibbi releasing this thing in Substack warning that a big story was coming out. And at the end of it, that caught, uh, caught a lot of attention. Taibbi wrote, what I can say is that in an exchange uh, for the opportunity to cover a unique an explosive story i have had to agree to certain conditions so presumably by agreeing with elon musk for taibi to do the story elon musk said that certain conditions had to be met which is odd and he never uh, matt taibi that is clarified what those conditions were now here's the big part that's being focused on from the thread slowly as my, Matt Taibbi writes, over time, Twitter staff and executive began to find more and more users for these tools. Outsiders began petitioning the company to manipulate speech as well, first a little, then more often, then constantly. By 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team. The reply would come back handled, and it shows an email here, um, as you can see. So what's being alleged there and with receipts is the Biden team reached out to Twitter and said, can you take these stories down? Now, what the article or the Twitter files failed to mention is what the Biden campaign at this point, right? Because this is 2020 while he's campaigning to be president. He's not in the government at this point in time is asking for photos of a nude Hunter Biden that Hunter Biden did not give his consent to be on the platform would be taken down which those are against twitter's terms of service you can't throw up nude photos of someone who doesn't give you consent mm. and it's also not a government official asking them to take it down and it's just a request and they're going oh they're just indicating to us that something on our platform is against our terms of service now again i'll say it's true that more powerful people more well-known influential people they'll get the ear of people at companies like twitter 
a whole lot more than you or I would if we reached out and said, hey, there's something on the platform that seems to be against your terms of service. But that applies in every situation. For example, if I were to go to YouTube and say, y'all did something in your regulation of my channel that was wrong, I would be much less likely to get an answer than someone who has 10 times the size of my platform. That mm. person would be listened to more. So yeah. same thing with these social media platforms. Again, we can start pushing for policies to minimize the influence that individuals like a Joe Biden or a Donald Trump, as we're about to get too whole for this, how Trump plays into this, um, and try to make it a more of an equal playing field. But because human beings operate these private companies, human beings are going to be more inclined to listen to those that they see as more influ influential. Again, it can be discussed. It's not at all some huge indictment on uh, Biden's corruption or something. He sent a request and said, hey, there's a photo of my, hunt of my son, Hunter Biden, being floated around on your platform that's against your terms of service because of the story that was being broken. You should take it down. And they went, oh, it is against our terms of service. We're going to take it down. Horrible corruption. But then what did get highlighted in this piece, but is not being focused on by too many in the right wing, is the fact that Twitter has done the same thing for a sitting president, Donald Trump. This is wild that they're ignoring this, too many of them. Matt Taibbi admits, celebrities and unknowns alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest of a political party, and it shows an example of that. Both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. So the bombshell is supposed to be that Biden manipulated the election by asking, asking, as a non-governmental official, Twitter, to take down something that was against their terms of service because it was a nude photo of their son that wasn't put on their consensually. And they won't say that it's a horrible influence in the election, that the sitting president who is in the government <laughs> and does actually have power at that point in time also got his requests granted by Twitter. Because what they want to say is that this is a violation of the First Amendment because Biden, and sometimes they'll pretend like this was when he was vice president or president, um, influenced Twitter to influence the election. But if you care about the First Amendment, you understand it has to do with the government, not a private citizen running for the government. And the person who was in the government at that time at the most powerful position also got his wishes granted on certain stories that he asked to be taken down. So again, I don't love the idea that it would be so hard for me to go out and get a post taken down that I think violated the terms of service, but a whole lot easier for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. But if you want to make a whole fuss about how Hunter Biden's story is proof that Joe Biden and Twitter were trying to do everything possible to make Trump lose, you're just being dishonest. That's mm -hmm. the only thing I can say about that. So that's the big bombshell. We will link both the Twitter thread for Matt Tybee, you can read through it yourself, and also a media article that I was just citing from where they nicely break down kind of the different elements of this that I think are important for people to understand. What is funny is even the person who broke the New York Post story way back when that is being discussed in this context, the idea is that Joe Biden was trying to suppress a New York Post article, that the woman I'm about to show you was involved uh, in writing. And even she, when this broke, went on Tucker Carlson and said, hmm, there's not really a smoking gun here. To Miranda Devine. She is, of course, a New York Post columnist. We spoke to her at the time, more than two years ago, about the censorship of the story. She's since written a book about it called Laptop from Hell, which is excellent. She joins us tonight. Miranda Devine, you are at the very center of this story. What do you make of it? Look, I, I think we've seen uh, quite a bit that's useful. It's not really the smoking gun we'd hope for. I feel that Elon Musk has held back some material in particular. Uh, so because she is still someone who's rooting for this to be something, to be a story, it has to be the reason it's not a smoking gun is because there's still more that's going to come out. But I've been hearing about more about to come out with Hunter Biden since two and a half years ago. <laughs> so. I thought if something's going to break, it's going to be in this whole thing that's being hyped up. And still, we have not got it. The only thing that people might say I'm dishonest for not talking about, so I'll address right here, is it is true that it seems to be the case. Twitter employees 
had an inclination, had more relationships with Democrats than they did with Republicans. Now, like I told you, they had relationships with Republicans and respected the White House's request to get posts taken down in situations. But because human beings are behind the scenes, human beings are gonna have political biases and their relationships will uh, reflect that. And I think it's a conversation, as I'll say a million times, to be had, but it's not the bombshell that the right wing had hoped. We must discuss the fascist message that Donald Trump sent out in response to this Twitter files story that was supposed to prove that Hunter Biden's uh, story that broke and Joe Biden's interference was a whole thing. And it was, and as we just broke down, to summarize, because this will be an individual clip on YouTube, really all it proved is that Joe Biden sent a request while he was just a private citizen running for president to Twitter to take down a nude photo of Hunter Biden um, that was against Twitter's terms of service. And Twitter has followed similar requests and fulfilled similar requests from Trump while he was president. So actually a more significant example of these powerful people asking Twitter to do certain things. And so it's just not the bombshell that they had hoped. Well, that's not how Trump took it. And instead he decided this was his chance to call for the constitution to be taken, ripped up in a bunch of pieces and thrown in the garbage, as you'll see in this message right here. So with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception in working closely with big tech companies, the DNC and the Democrat party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner? Or do you have a new election? And I will note that was all one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> a massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules and uh, sorry all rules regulations and articles even those found in the constitution our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections and there are just capitalizations all throughout this <laughs> with no purpose but and founders is in quotes founders wink wink um the part that is being focused on is he said a massive fraud that didn't happen of the that wasn't him that was me but of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules regulations and articles even those found in the constitution terminate the constitution is the summarized version of that just throw out all the rules and regulations and institutions and articles even those in the constitution that's what he's calling for it's not they're not even hiding anymore it's just that is actually insane it is and for so long we said guys be careful the tendencies that we're seeing in donald trump are very fascistic he seems to want kind of more dictatorial influence and power he doesn't seem to respect our democracy then we got that proven correct in his election denialism and attempts to stay president even though he lost and wanted to throw the democracy in the trash to keep himself in power and now he's openly admitting it on social media and saying terminate the constitution because i lost an election and something was put on twitter so then just today this was a few days ago they said that just today um, or yeah, a couple days ago, at least when that first mission came up, then he follows up because he saw the press coverage of how wild what he said was, and is trying to kind of walk it back as he continues on true social. The fake news is actually trying to convince the American people that I said I wanted to terminate the constitution. <laughs> Funny, it's cause you did. This is simply more disinformation and lies, just like Russia, 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 and all of their other hoaxes and scams. What I said was that when there is massive and widespread fraud and deception, as has been irrefutably proven in the 2020 presidential election, steps must be immediately taken to right the wrong. Only fools would disagree with that and accept stolen elections. MAGA. <laughs> he just ends with MAGA. So I don't really know what that was because he just repeated what he said before. Okay, I don't like the words terminate the constitution because it shows how fascist I am. So instead, I just want to make it right. Wank, wank, wank. Um, well, I loved how this CNN contributor um, stated it in response to this. Take a look. As divisive as him. And I hate to inform the former president, the Constitution is not like a spouse. You can't just get rid of it when it no longer suits your purposes. The Constitution is here to protect the <laughs> rights of all Americans. 
That's brutal. That's pretty good. And that is how he uh, manages his marital <laughs> reality. And then we're going to look at Republicans, one in particular, squirming, trying not to fully condemn what Trump said. Because again, the Republican Party was the one that probably talked more about the Constitution, the Constitution, the Constitution. Now, I think the left has always respected the Constitution, um, or at least you would hope, but the Republican Party tried to brand themselves as the Constitution Party. And now, <laughs> one of the big leaders and current presidential candidate within their party is just openly calling to throw it in the dumpster. And they still can't, some of them, heavily condemn it and say they won't support him. And look at this MSNBC host, and then I'll give you a specific example, kind of making fun of the fact that these Republicans can't muster the strength to speak out against them in the way that they should. You're walking into the Capitol, right? Reporters are approaching you. There's Casey Hunt. There's Lemire. Okay, they're coming up to you. And they, they get a mic in your face and they say, what do you think of Donald Trump wanting to terminate the Constitution, right? Here's your moment. It's the biggest softball of your life. Okay, this is your moment. And here you go. I'm going to give you a look. Why don't you write this down? Okay. Um, to terminate the Constitution is to terminate America. Donald Trump is wrong, and I can no longer support him at all as a presidential candidate, as an American citizen. You can't be an American citizen and want to terminate the Constitution. You can do it. Write it down. That is so good. So she's taunting them, of course, saying, these are the words we should hear coming out, out of your mouth. But instead, this is what we've got from a lot of uh, people within the Republican Party, specifically uh, GOP congressmen. Let's see here. It'll, it'll pop up on the screen. But a GOP congressman who literally could not get himself to clearly say he wouldn't support Trump, instead goes, I don't think Trump will be the nominee. But if he is, I guess I would have to support him. And this is Representative Dave Joyce on ABC. Take a look. Jobs to be able to live and, and take care of their family. But Donald Trump was your nominee in 2016 and 2020. You voted for him mm -hmm. in 2016 and 2020. Now he's talking about suspending the Constitution. Can you support a candidate in 2024 who's for suspending the Constitution? Well, again, it, it's early. I think there's going to be a lot of people in the primary. I think at the end of the... We'll continue it, but no, 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 no. Hey, could you support someone who openly calls to throw the uh, Constitution in the trash and throw a match in? Well, you know, it's a long time till 2024, buddy. <laughs> Circle back with me later. The day uh, you will say, uh, whoever the Republicans end to pick, I'll fall in behind because that's... Even if it's Donald Trump and he's called for suspending the Constitution? Well, again, I think it's going to be a big field. I don't think Donald Trump's going to clear out the field like he did in the 60s. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you, if he's the nominee, will you support him? Uh, I will support whoever the Republican nominee is. And I just don't think that at this point he'll be able to get there because I think... But if he does, you're great with lining up behind someone, his words, who just called to terminate the Constitution. Coming from, I'm sure, someone who's talked about the sanctity and importance of our Constitution. Mm. Now, if you thought it couldn't get any more wild than that, a former Republican uh, congressional candidate, Shukri Abdirahman, uh, sent out a message and said, we can no longer get rid of tyranny with ballots. It's only by bullets now. Openly calling for violence. And that did eventually get um, taken down off of Twitter. But holy smokes, then you have Charlie Kirk coming out and saying in response to the Twitter story, just kind of in this line of a scary reality that's being built. If Twitter hadn't interfered in the 2020 election, there never would have been any issue on January 6th. So using the violence of the mob he's helped to incite as a threat, as a tool in this political reality. Now, to give you perspective, this was put together by Media Matters in a really nice way. The difference in tone that Fox News will take on the Constitution when they're trying to attack the left versus now, once Trump said this, just come out against the Constitution um, and how, number one, I looked and where the analysis was before I went live today, they had done one minute of coverage on him saying that. And you'll see what that coverage looks like in a second here. Uh, Democrats. But the first batch you'll hear is 
past statements that Fox News has made about how important the Constitution is. Their compliant lapdog stenographers and the mob and the media, they are now willing to shred the Constitution. I couldn't have imagined that we'd come to this situation where these people who are leaders of the op opposing party would just tear up the Constitution. This is the ongoing pattern and practice of trying to, to basically shred the Constitution. The left has always looked down on America. They want to tear up the Constitution, overturn it, and rewrite it. For the last four years, we have heard that Donald Trump is an autocrat who wants absolute authority, an ego maniacal narcissist who wants to tear up the Constitution, ignore Congress, do whatever he wants to enact his rules and policies. Gosh, our predictions were correct about him, dang. Policies, but in reality, he didn't do any of those things that he's been accused of. Donald Trump said this on Truth Social. So now it switches over to what their coverage just recently of him saying this on Truth Social. Donald Trump said this on Truth Social. I want to put it up. Uh, talking about this. Do you throw out the presidential uh, election results of 2020 and declare the rightful winner, or do you have a new election? Making himself. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. He's gotten a lot of media criticism on that. You can make up your own mind. Next on Media Buzz, more on Twitter. Oh, is that right? You can make up your own mind. I want you to do a little test in your head, okay? Imagine after the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton came out and said, does the Russian interference that to be clear, a Russian oligarch has admitted to and um, the intelligence agencies have confirmed that there was indeed Russian inf uh, influence in our election, meaning they tr mainly on social media and troll farms or bot farms, or whatever you call them, tried to uh, stir up dirt and do certain things to help Trump. But I don't even think that makes his presidential election illegitimate. No, we need to figure out how we can prevent foreign countries from influencing our elections. But as long as our actual ballot voting process is secure, then of course, if you can win and we had a, leg a legitimate election, you should become president, even if I hope we can work to prevent outside influence going forward. Mm. But let's say with that story having broken, Hillary Clinton said, we should throw out the Constitution, throw out all rules and regulations, and make me president. What would Fox News' coverage, would it be, and you can make up your own mind, or would it be hair on fire and only talking about that story for months straight? Mm. It would be the latter for sure. And so you can see there uh, the hypocrisy on all of this. Very scary moment that we're in. A presidential candidate who still has a chance of becoming the Republican nominee openly calling to trash the Constitution. An interesting op-ed was put out by Newt Gingrich, the uh, former Republican Speaker of the House. And of course, he's a very conservative man. Me and him would agree on very little, but he put out an op-ed titled, Quit Underestimating President Biden. And as you'll see here, it's not him saying, I've had a revelation and I think Biden's a great president. Instead, it's Biden is a much more effective president by the measures that Biden would set out or Democrats would set out and fighting for the things he believes in. And Republicans need to stop underestimating him because he actually keeps winning. Very interesting. Um, take a look at this again from Newt Gingrich. Republicans must learn to quit underestimating President Joe Biden. The college and professional football seasons always help me clarify the difference between winning and losing. I love... Is that? Okay. It's pretty easy to know the difference, Newt, but okay. I love the Green Bay Packers, but they are not having a good year. On the other hand, the University of Georgia just executed its second undefeated regular season since Herschel Walker played there. Of course, the Bulldogs must be LSU and some football mumbo jumbo. <laughs> the clarity of winning and losing creates a clarity of analysis about who is doing well and who isn't. If you apply that simple model to Biden, you realize how well he is doing by his own definition of success. Like most Americans... I do not approve of the job he's doing. Like virtually all conservatives and Republicans, I deeply oppose his policies. They are clearly weakening America and strengthening our enemies. Obviously, I, as the reader, beg to differ, but, and again, like most Americans, I oppose the woke policies, which are undermining and threatening to destroy popular, unique, shared American culture. Again, shut your trap, Newt. <laughs> However, conservatives' hostility to, Bi uh, to the Biden administration on our terms tends to blind us to just how effective Biden has been on his terms. He is only built upon and fortified <laughs> the left-wing big government social house. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry, let me read this actually. <laughs> you know what I said? The left-wing big government socialist woke culture system. 
That's a title and a half. We dislike Biden so much. We pettily focus on his speaking difficulties. Sometimes the fact that I struggled on a word talking about someone else's speaking difficulties is very ironic. Sometimes strange behavior, clear lapses of memory, and other personal flaws. Our aversion to him and his policies make us underestimate him and the Democrats. But then it says he has spent 50 years in public life by uh, genially bumbled into becoming a major force in the Senate. While he failed miserably in attempting to run for president, he ended up as vice president for eight years, then he stayed in the basement and won in 2020. As it continues uh, down here, the Biden team has had one of the best first term off-year off elections in history. They were not repudiated. They did not have to pay for their terrible mismanagement of the economy. Maybe, Anut, that's because they didn't mismanagement as bad as you thought. If Republicans are going to successfully work through the next two years in Congress and win the presidency in 2024, we need to look much more deeply at what worked and what did not work in 2020 and 2022. So, uh, last bit here. Today, there is not nearly enough understanding or acknowledgement among leading Republicans that our system and approach failed. We need to rethink from the ground up how we are going to defeat big government socialism, including almost inevitable second-time Democrat presidential nominee Biden. This is a much bigger challenge than I would have guessed before the election. So I found that interesting because for Republicans, it's probably hard when you watch Biden to accept that he's doing well on the terms of the goals he set out, if that makes sense, because mm -hmm. he does kind of have a goofy, tough time getting through communication and all that. And so it can be easy to go, he doesn't know what he's doing and we can trounce him. But then as he highlighted, one of the best midterm performances by the party that had previously won the White House two years before under Biden's leadership. Now, so much of that has to do with the election denialism and some other factors, but to have not been able to, as the Republican Party, capitalize on um, inflation and high prices to make yourself do well is a huge failure um, on mm. their part. And so for them, it's going to be important just from a political strategy point of view to figure out how they react, respond, improve based on what they've learned the last four years and understand why is it that the Democratic Party with Biden at the head of it is actually doing well right now. And the other point that I would highlight is Biden more than most expected has been pretty effective at getting big pieces of legislation passed. And I think that was not something that even I was trying to stake a lot of my happiness in going to the next two years after 2020 because I knew the Senate was going to be such a thin margin. Republicans weren't going to work, want to work with Democrats and we weren't going to get something significant. But we really did. At the beginning, the American Rescue Plan, we saw a bipartisan, huge investment, historic investment in infrastructure, again, in a bipartisan manner, which is wild, a bipartisan gun safety piece of legislation. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act, which was humongous, many things within um, healthcare and uh, pharmaceutical drugs and all these things, but then a record investment in climate change response. And so to understand that and to figure out how you fight back against that is going to be the goal of the Republican Party to try to fight in 2024, which hopefully they will lose in a significant fashion. Herschel Walker's past with violence, specifically against um, romantic partners, has become so clear and present. And what we know for sure now, and then I have an ad to show you just highlighting this, is he is not mentally fit. He is not someone who should be in the Senate, regardless of his policies, which are also bad. Just from a personal point of view, the unstable nature of him as a human being is not one that should be in a position of power. Mm. Take a look at this ad that highlights that, and then we'll look at the most recent accuser of him. Herschel Walker's violence has hurt so many people. He held a gun to my temple and said, he's gonna blow my brains out. His son says Walker threatened to kill us and had us move six times in six months running from his violence. An ex-girlfriend says Walker used threats of violence to force her to have an abortion. He said that I would not be safe and that the child would not be safe. 
Herschel Walker doesn't belong in the Senate. Georgia Honor is responsible for the content of this ad. Absolutely. And then again, as I mentioned to you, the two women highlighted in there just tragic. And then another one comes out and says um, this. I believe the deception now is on the American people. And I have to say what I know. I have to tell the Herschel I know. Cheryl Parsa first told her story to the Daily Beast last week, alleging the former football star physically attacked her in 2005. He told me, you want to see a man? I'll show you a man. And he was pressing his forehead against mine. My head was against the wall. He was speaking with such force that his saliva was all over my face. And he had his hand on my throat and my chest. And then he leaned back to throw a punch. And luckily I was able to avoid that and uh, the punch landed on the wall instead of me. NBC News spoke with three individuals whom she told of this incident in the past before he was running for the Senate. Her story, not the first allegation of domestic abuse against a former football star. His ex-wife Cindy Grossman spoke out in 2008. He got a gun and he put it to my temple. Put the gun right to your temple? Mm -hmm. What did he say? I'm gonna blow your effing brains out. And just two months ago, Walker's son tweeting that his father had previously, quote, threatened to kill us. Walker has previously... So, truly disturbing stuff. As much of that we've already covered, but it cannot be forgotten. We're recording this Monday. Tomorrow's the election. And in any reasonable world, he would get 1% of the vote. Mm. But he's not. He's going to get above 40 um and hopefully he won't get above 50 and win obviously and warnock will prevail but you just cannot have someone like this in such an important position of power not to mention the ways in which he should be held accountable in his private life here's him again just the way that he'll even admit to some strange tendencies talking about wanting to choke his employees and that's one thing i always tell people no matter what always continue your therapy because I'm never going to leave. DID is never going to leave me. It's always going to be with me. And I talked to him. I have two doctors, Dr. Jerry and also Dr. Fridley out of California. And because, you know, I have over 800 employees. And this was 2019, by the way. And let me tell you, when you work with people, they will drive you crazy. Let me tell you, there's sometimes I want to choke them, but I don't. But I have somebody that really want to choke them. Like, I have worked with relatives. And your relative will drive you crazy. I'm getting it all. Now, I'll just say, I work with someone right here, producer Ben. I've never wanted to choke you. I'll just say that up no, front. I appreciate that. Can you imagine how difficult that must be day to day? Um, I just don't get it. And the thing about this is back in that 2019 clip and a bunch of things that have come to surface in his past, he would be open about saying it's ongoing process you should keep trying to get better keep going to therapy now as we saw in the debate and in subsequent statements he wants to pretend like he's done he's through any mental health problems and he said i've finished treatment that's not how it works you don't no. get cured forever like you might uh with some virus or something mm. it's an ongoing process as he used to be willing to admit in that clip he says you should always keep going to therapy um but now running for Senate, of course, not willing to admit that we should be able to admit to ourselves, every voter in Georgia, even though they won't, that he's not fit to serve. Now we have to look at a little bit more lighthearted Herschel Walker content. So let's change our headspace to do that. This is just another example of how cartoonish and odd this man is. He continues his war on pronouns. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, you're about to show me a clip of Herschel Walker that's gonna be him saying, I don't think people should put pronouns in their bio, or I don't think people should have to introduce themselves on business calls by saying he, him. No, 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 no. Way before that, he keeps asking time and time again, what is a pronoun? As in, the same as saying, what is an adjective or what is a noun? It's very strange. Take a look at this, and then we'll try to help Herschel Walker understand what a pronoun is. <laughs> Early on, that they said that was peace through strength, and our strength is our great military. But now they're bringing pronouns into our military. They're bringing wokeness into our military. I don't even know what the heck is a pronoun. 
I can tell you that, and I'm sick and tired of this pronoun stuff. What I want our military men and women to do is to be at war fighting. And I told you. So he doesn't know what the heck a pronoun is. Well, we're here to help. <laughs> Let's just quickly uh, do this for you. What is a pronoun? A pronoun is a word that is used instead of a noun or noun phrase. Pronouns refer to either a noun that has already been mentioned or to a noun that does not need to be named specifically. <laughs> okay, so examples of such pronouns would be he, him, she, her, they, them. <laughs> uh, so we got that cleared up for him. How is he running for Senate? I don't know. The world is crazy. <laughs> That's why. Um, I, it's funny because what I've said about him in the past is he's an example of somebody who hears all the right wing talking points, but isn't quite as good at using them himself. So what I've said before is, wait, 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 Herschel, let me help you be hateful <laughs> towards trans people. Obviously, that's not what I want, but like, you don't even know the hateful attack you're trying to create, mm. right? So you're trying to be like, oh, by respecting people's pronouns, we're making our military weak. <laughs> <laughs> um, but instead, he just stops at, what is a, I don't know what the heck a pronoun is, which is something we learned a very long time ago mm. in elementary school. <laughs> so that's where things stand with the pronoun debacle with Herschel Walker. Now, another clip I want to show you is him, I guess, sort of responding to the recent reporting revealing that he has benefited from a homestead exemption in the state of Texas in a Dallas suburb resident, meaning that exemption, that tax exemption, is what you get if that's your primary residence, if that's where you primarily live. And so he filed for that in Texas, but then registered for vote uh, to vote in Georgia, which is also supposed to be the place that you live. So he's claiming to live in Georgia, but getting tax benefits for living in Texas, and it's just a mess. And so this is him saying, I've always lived in Georgia, even though, of course, he did play for the Dallas Cowboys, right? How does, how does that work? <laughs> it is time we get this right. And the way we get it right, by putting me in the Senate, because I'm not gonna dance and sing for nobody. I never have and never will, because I represent the great people of Georgia. I've lived here my whole life. I owe so much to the great people of Georgia, to the state of Georgia. Do y'all think I'm gonna let you down? It is time. So, um, Quote, I represent the great people of Georgia. I've lived here my whole life, except for when I was getting tax benefits for living in Texas as my primary residence. Very, very strange. And then um, last Herschel clip, and then we have a Ted Cruz clip, unfortunately for your ears and eyes. Here's him saying that he loves the Green New Deal, but we don't have enough charging stations. The Green New Deal. Whoa, that's a that's interesting right there too. The Green New Deal. Let me tell y'all this. I love the Green New Deal if we were ready for it, but we ain't ready for no Green New Deal. Because right now, have y'all been trying to drive down the street? Have y'all seen any charging station along the road? You never seen no charging station. Right now, we're not ready for it, so we don't need to be going in that direction. And when we get ready for it, I raise my hand and say we got to do it. Talking about the so, Green New to be clear. Feel free to criticize the Green New Deal or any piece of legislation. But to say the reason why the Green New Deal is something we're not ready for is because we don't have enough charging stations when the point of investment in green energy is to implement more charging stations <laughs> is very strange. I can't get a haircut today because my hair is long. <laughs> What? It doesn't make sense. Now, here's Ted Cruz rallying for Herschel Walker, encouraging people to vote 10 times and then realizing what he said and changing <laughs> the statement. At the men and women that are going to decide the future of liberty in America. On December 6th, I want to ask every one of you to come out and vote for Herschel Walker 10 times. <laughs> Now, I want to pause it there before he goes, I, what I mean is, blah, 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 blah. why did the audience cheer? Yeah. <laughs> because he clarifies later, and what he's saying is fine, right? He, what he's trying to say is get other people to vote, and you're responsible for 10 people going out to vote, which the statement, go vote for Herschel Walker 10 times, that's not what you assume. But okay, let's say his brain got uh, kerfluffled for a second, and he said <laughs> that. 
but the audience goes woo <laughs> when the whole right wing movement has been screaming that we're the ones on the left who want a bunch of voter fraud and there was dead people and you know people were going from Dropbox to Dropbox voting a hundred times mm. and now the response to Ted Cruz saying vote ten times is yeah <laughs> it's so weird. All right, now look, now look, we're not Democrats. I am not urging voter fraud, although I saw two reporters pull out their notepads, say, oh, look, urging multiple felonies from the stage. Let me tell you how you do that. You make sure you come out and vote on December 6th. And then, tonight, when you leave, pull out your phone. Pull up your contacts. Scroll through and find nine other people. Okay, so I never would have assumed that's what you meant, but fair enough texting people and encouraging them to vote mm. is perfectly fine. Um, but again, the audience's response was the weirdest part to me, how they were cheering. I feel as if, if you really care, cared about election interference, hearing a politician say, go vote 10 times would make you pause and be a little confused for a second until he clarifies. But no. Guys, if you live in Georgia, of course go out to vote. What the heck are you doing if you're not? If not, we will be covering... Um, the election tomorrow, Tuesday night. And as exciting as this is, fellow political progressive uh, commentator, Ruminate will be joining me to have lots of interesting and fun discussions while we await um, the big election results. And I will say, I'm gonna be a little bit of an emotional wreck tomorrow <laughs> night because if Herschel Walker becomes a senator- Don't even joke In the United States of America, all faith is lost, ladies and gentlemen. I know what you're saying. But Donald Trump was the president. Don't you already have no faith? But I like to lie to myself and say that there's still more milestones that indicate America's falling apart mm. so that we're not all the way falling apart. And this is one of them. So hopefully we can uh, survive through this. And again, tomorrow night, Tuesday, I will be covering that. It'll be lots of fun. Lachlan Murdoch, the chief executive of the Fox Corporation, is expected to be deposed, deposed in the Dominion Voting System's humongous $1.6 billion lawsuit against the organization for their lies, for their defamatory statements against Dominion Voting System. So take a look at this from the New York Times. Lachlan Murdoch, the chief executive of the Fox Corporation, is expected to be deposed on Monday as part of a $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox News for amplifying bogus claims uh, that rigged machines from Dominion Voting Systems were responsible for Donald J. Trump's defeat in 2020. Mr. Murdoch will be the most senior corporate figure within the Fox media empire to face questions under oath in the case so far. And his appearance before Dominion's lawyers is a sign of how unexpectedly far and fast the lawsuit has progressed in recent weeks and how contentious it has become. So this is the big part of this, why it's so incredible that he's being deposed is to get the top dog, the Murdoch, to have to be deposed means this lawsuit's actually going pretty far forward and has a better chance of holding Fox News accountable for all the lies they told mm. than I think I would have even expected. Because for so long, media empires like this built their entire, specifically Fox News, um, wealthy apparatus based on lying to a bunch of people stoking fear among a bunch of people mm. and they were never held accountable and now they went so far that even the laws we have on the books are contradicting with what they did so a little bit further here fox and dominion have gone back and forth in delaware state court since the summer in an escalating dispute over witnesses evidence and testimony the arguments point to the high stakes of the case which will render a judgment on whether the most powerful conservative media outlet in the country intentionally misled its audience and helped seed one of the most pervasive lies in American politics. Although the law leans in the media's favor in defamation cases, as I was saying, Dominion has, with, uh, Dominion has what independent observers have said is an unusually strong case. Day after day, Fox hosts and guests repeated untrue stories about Dominion's ties to communist regimes and far-fetched theories about how its software enabled enemies of the former president to steal his votes. So one of the things we saw when we went over the interview that Anderson Cooper did with the CEO of Dominion 
is he made clear, Anderson, I reached out time and time again, telling them how and why their claims were wrong and that they were being defamatory to my organization. And they kept going with it. And part of the reason they kept going with it is because if you remember during that time in 2020, uh, and then crossing over into 2021, any Fox host that even slightly would even say that, Hey guys, Biden's going to be inaugurated, not even saying the election was legitimate, just saying Biden's going to be the next president would get torn apart and Networks like Newsmax and OAN started rising to prominence because people were saying Fox News was too moderate. <laughs> Can you imagine? And, um, <laughs> and so they had the incentive to lie so that their audience didn't turn on them. And in exchange for that, were absolutely going after in a dishonest manner and hopefully possibly defamatory manner, Dominion voting systems who hadn't done anything wrong and just randomly because their names sounded interesting dominion mm. got picked out to be the next conspiracy uh target so hopefully fox news will indeed be held accountable and this testimony or deposition i should say by uh murdoch is a good indication that that will be happening the right wing's response to kanye west's appearance on alex jones and subsequent posts and just absolute nazi explosion has been disturbing to say the least. And what I mean by that is even people like Tim Pool, who purport to be, I'm in the middle, I'm a centrist, <laughs> but I only perpetuate right-wing talking points, isn't willing to frame this conversation in the way that it should be framed. And so let me remind you the types of things that Kanye was saying during this interview. That this person ever did anything good, and I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. You're not Hitler. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, I, I, see, I, I see good things about Hitler also. All right, right. So you get the point. Um, he didn't, as crazy as it sounds, he didn't like the fact that Alex Jones was trying to, to, to distance Kanye from Hitler and needed the world to know, whoa, 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 don't be shaming Hitler like that, is the point that he wanted to make, which is so disturbing. <laughs> now, to give you kind of the context for how Tim Pool factors into this, Tim Pool, uh, before this interview with Alex Jones, also wanted to get a bite out of the Kanye apple and brought him on the show, and it ended with this. I think they've been extremely unfair to you. I think. Who was they, though? We can't say who they is, can press. we? I'm not using the. I don't, I don't use the word as the, as the way I guess you, you guys use. I'm, I'm talking. It is about, them, though, isn't it? I mean, because <laughs> no. and, and because when you think <laughs> about. Did you hear that? Tim Pool goes. I'm a little coward. I'm a little coward. I'm a little coward. I'm a little coward. And also, I don't use the word that you might use. What? Let's watch that beginning again. What he's saying is. Yeah, the me you know the media. <laughs> I just don't say Jewish. It's crazy. Take a look at this again. Yeah. I, I think I think they've been extremely unfair to you. I think. who was they though? We can't Cor say they is can we? Press. I'm not using the. I don't, I don't use the word as the, as the way I guess you, you guys use the way that he. No, you don't use the word because it's incorrect to say that there's a Jewish conspiracy trying to go after Kanye West. Mm. So that was the first, uh, not the first indication that Temple's a coward, but in this context, just truly despicable. And then he brings on this right-wing guy who had harassed uh, AOC, can't even remember the guy's name, but, um, and this was the conversation they had. Of him speaking about it, he needs to be using his best methodology, which would be music to get his point across. So he's not doing that. So he's just being, it's, it's a waste of talent. But in Saul's, you know, in, in Saul Linsky, will continue but so the issue is not the point he's trying to get across but the strategy he's using it to most effectively get it across your issue is with him not being able to make his point as good as he could very strange these rules for radical it's like you accuse the people of what you're actually doing so he's not being nuanced he's not being smart he's just being like hitler quote unquote in a video game i don't want to get in trouble but he's saying kanye west i don't want them to edit this is saying hitler is you know not a bad person so that is what kanye west is saying and that is just too nobody is ever going to jive with that under well, any circumstance i i so i think i think it was really good that alex jones had them on because mm -hmm. look at what we got to see 
Everybody can make up their mind about exactly what happened. That type of wording. What do you make up your mind about what happened? Why don't you grow some, you know what, <laughs> and speak out against the person celebrating the leader that directed the slaughtering mm. of six million Jewish people? How about you speak out against that in the way that it warrants instead of going, you know, I mean, it happened and it was good. And uh, I don't necessarily agree with everything he's saying, but make up your own mind because it's free speech. <laughs> And that is I, I, I believe this is a strong argument for free speech. If Alex was censored and they were behind, if they and they were just hanging out in his living room saying all this stuff, nobody would have any idea what Ye believed and what Ye was 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 working on or working towards or who he was associating with. Uh, you might you might like who he's uh, whatever. He's entitled to his opinion. He's entitled to being a human and believing what he wants to believe. Agreed. And we are also entitled to speak out against him, which you're not doing in mm. a way. That is uh, correct. What's so strange is many of these, I guess you would call them free speech warriors, even though they're not. The second that it's their opposition who's getting censored, they're happy with it. They just don't like it when it's them. Um, we understand the un uh, unprincipled nature of many of these people. But mm. one of the things they'll do is if they don't want to heavily condemn an individual, they'll have a more meta conversation so they don't have to get into the specifics. So instead it will be, well, you know, I think in general it's good for people to share their views and he's entitled to his views and you can make up your own mind about his views based on your views. <laughs> How about you talk about specifically what he talked about mm. and say the words that are justifying this situation, which is Kanye West is a vile Nazi who is trying to wash over the reality of the Holocaust and joining the calls of doubting what actually happened um, during World War II and saying that Hitler's actually an especially valuable person, and I respect a lot of what he did, and all that's what Kanye is saying. And all of these vile things, we should use our free speech ability mm. to completely and unequivocally speak out against that. Not all of our time saying, but I really think that you can make up your own mind and how la di la di la. Because obviously people can make up their own mind. We know that. We're curious <laughs> about what you have to say about this. And then just more kind of coverage I saw from uh, Tim Pool on this subject. I think it is good that Alex Jones found a way to have these people on to show their views. Alex Jones outright rejecting them, saying he doesn't agree. He doesn't like Nazis. And, and Ye is going off saying he does. Ye wants to run for president. We shouldn't hide or whitewash what his views are. If some people like what he's saying, fine. Then it's good they get to hear it, right? And I think what's happening now is across the media, they're reporting on exactly what he's saying. So fair. That could have been on Timcast. The only reason it couldn't is because we do a conversation show, not an interview. Surprisingly, though, Alex Jones is pushing back on Ye way more than I did. And Ye is totally fine with it. I'm getting pushback from the left saying we shouldn't have. So he's bitter that Alex Jones pushed back against Kanye West and Kanye West didn't storm out. But. Uh, and sorry, I got so distracted talking about the dumb thing Temple said at the beginning at the end of the clip that we started this segment with, Kanye just left, stormed out. Um, and so Tim Cass was really offended by that, saying, I was just pushing back a little bit. Ah. And that's his takeaway. Not, wow, he stormed out because I had the gall to not specifically be as anti-Semitic as him, but kind of mm. give him a winky, winky, winky. Last example of this just disturbing right-wing response. A guy by the name of Vincent James was responding to Anna Kasparian over at the Young Turks on this subject, and she's nailing it, just saying all of the correct things. And watch what his takeaway is about this whole ordeal. I mean, they're parading around literally a mentally ill person who is spewing the most vicious anti-Semitic garbage about a man who slaughtered millions of people slaughtered them. I like it. That's what he said. He said that he liked them. I just, he did some great things. What did he do that was so great? I just can't. I can't with these people. What's worse? Slaughtering one person, slaughtering millions of people or a group of people slaughtering Jesus Christ? What? Who? <laughs> What? 
I don't know what. How does your brain get to that? Yeah, broken, disgusting worm has to be living in your brain for you to believe that or to say that. Who's even bringing up Jesus in this conversation? Well, why is that even a comparison that you felt the need to make? Mm. It's how about let's not kill millions of people. And if you believe in Jesus, let's not kill Jesus either. Yes. so strange but it's every single thing they can possibly muster to not fully condemn the things that Kanye West, Nick Fuentes and all these people spew and it scares me I want to do a segment kind of breaking down one of these issues that's so important but because the day to day kind of political feuds don't necessarily cover this too often it gets forgotten occasionally hopefully not by y'all but we're going to make sure that we're all settled on the facts here so the point that i'm proving my thesis we'll say in this segment is the united states would benefit from and should have a universal health care system and to do that we're going to focus in specifically on a commonwealth fund study they do every so often um, analysis of different healthcare systems across the world and every single time they do it very similar results come out revealing just how disgusting our system is. What I mean is we and our leaders, I should say, time and time again, allow years to pass by and us to not get the outcome and results in our healthcare system that we could get with a universal healthcare system, comparing us to other countries and not doing anything about it. When it would be not simple because the implementation of this would be rather complicated, but 100% doable and possible, we don't do it, and people suffer, people die, and people are bankrupted because of it. So here's kind of a little bit of a summary from this um, analysis from the Commonwealth Fund. The U.S. health system trails far behind a number of other high-income countries when it comes to affordability, administration, efficiency, equity, and healthcare outcomes, according to a new Commonwealth Fund study. Using surveys and other standardized data on quality and healthcare outcomes to measure and compare patient and physician experiences across a group of 11 high-income nations, so 11 nations are being compared, the researchers ranked the United States last. Out of 11 of the wealthiest countries on the planet, the United States ranks last. Overall, in providing um, equitably accessible, affordable, high-quality healthcare. So now let's look at some specific um, kind of visuals that just show you how poorly we are performing. And the part that I want to highlight for all these, I'm a fiscal conservative (laughs) people. (laughs) We spend more as a country on healthcare than these other countries with universal health care. So you as a consumer have to spend more of your hard-earned money on health insurance and you're the, you know, through that, the actual services you're getting than individuals in other countries do with universal health care systems. But look at these um, different charts here. Comparative healthcare system performance scores, U.S. all the way (laughs) at the bottom. Healthcare spending as a percentage of GDP. What the heck? (laughs) We're ranked last on all of these measures, but we spend way more than other countries compared to our GDP. Can y'all just look at this chart for a second? People say to me every day, I go around the world, I walk around the streets of America, and I say, human, why don't you want universal health care? <laughs> and it always starts with, how am I going to pay for it? Or, I just care too much about my hard-earned money for my job, which is, I respect that. And that's why I want to have a universal health care system because we will save money as a country. Mm. You'll save money as a consumer. The only difference is your money might be going to the government then to your health care services instead of to an insurance company and then to your health care services. Another chart... Healthcare system performance compared to spending. So compared to how much we spend, how well does our healthcare system do? Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being so sassy with this. Um, <laughs> as if I haven't seen all these charts when I prepare for the show. Oh my goodness. Um, why is the U.S. so far down? 
<laughs> it's so sad. And um, finally here, healthcare system performance scores affordability. And again, we are so low on affordability um, as far as the ranking. Actually, continuing here, equity as well, all the way down there at the bottom. And we'll link this Commonwealth Fund um, analysis for you to look at because there's just so much to go through for the purposes of YouTube. I can't do it all um, in a way that people would find interesting, but you get the point, okay? We rank poorly on all of these different measures. When you put them together, excuse me, um, we rank 11th and we still pay more by a huge margin. And we accept that because gosh darn, God forbid, someone's able to have their health coverage paid for by sort of my tax dollars in theory, that's not me. Mm. Again, the only difference, what I'm offering you <laughs> is cheaper health services, mm. better coverage, better health outcomes, et cetera, et cetera. The only difference is instead of a profit-motived insurance company taking your money, then paying for your services, or you paying for them in cash, I'm going to take that, I'm, or the government's gonna take that with an insurance company built by the government like we have with Medicare and people like Medicare and do it that way and we'll get all these benefits. So strange, last thing, to compare this to the modern event that um, kind of where you see the stark difference. We're not gonna dive in this study, but a study was done by Yale, if I'm not mistaken, yes by Yale researchers that found more than 335,000 lives could have been saved during the pandemic if the U.S. had a universal healthcare system. So because people aren't covered in the way that they should be, they are dying at rates way beyond what they should. It's an abomination. It is absolutely outrageous that if our leaders um, actually cared for us or because they don't we don't get this type of system laura loomer has been very angry at marjorie green as we covered and now marjorie green is responding to this narrative that's out and about about her not being pro-trump enough which if marjorie taylor green is not pro-trump enough oh no i need to duck my head <laughs> in a toilet and flush it 30 times um but the point that Laura Loomer, who former congressional candidate, the girl who, or the woman, I should say, who balled her eyes out because the election was stolen um, from her by another Republican, okay? Uh, <laughs> she is saying that because of Marjorie Taylor Greene's work with Milo Yiannopoulos and some other things, she's a fake MAGA person. And to give you kind of a sense, and then we'll look at Marjorie Taylor Greene's response. Marjorie Taylor Greene is undermining President Trump, this is Laura Loomer on social media, by employing Milo as an official staffer in her congressional office, while he is openly attacking and sabotaging Trump as the campaign manager for Ye. If uh, it bothers me, and should bother all of you, that MTG is claiming to be pro-Trump and using Trump to boost her profile, while she and her team are secretly undermining him by using Milo as a political operative to make Trump look bad, MTG is a snake and she needs to go. That's why I call her Marjorie Traitor. Green. Good. Very one. clever. Um, I'm pretty sure liberals have been calling her that for a really long time, <laughs> which is funny. I don't stoop to those types of labels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, she's not going to address it directly in this type of context, but she did kind of restate how important it is to her to be pro-Trump. But I am going to tell you that thanks to the Republican voters and donors all across America who have backed and supported um, Trump's policies, America first policies, that is changing our Republican conference. And again, celebrate the fact that the majority of our majority is America first starting in January. It is pro-Trump. And that means that we're going to be working hard and going after them. And you want to know something, the ones that don't want to do it, we're going to be lighting them on fire with the people behind my back and the people supporting every single bit of it. But I am going So she wants the MAGA base to know she is still pro-Trump. Uh, Newsweek is where I originally saw this and had an interesting article on it. 
Marjorie Taylor Greene vows to battle against anti-Trump colleagues. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene has hit out at any potential GOP colleagues who do not support Donald Trump's agenda. During an interview on The War Room with Stephen K. Bannon on Saturday, Georgia Republican Greene uh, said that Trump gave the Republican Party a shot of testosterone and that the GOP had heavily relied on the MAGA agenda for its recent electoral success. She said, that means we ran with Trump endorsements, that means we ran on pro-Trump policies, and that means that our conference is changing. We are not the conference of the past. We are not the GOP of the past. But what's funny is she's so wrong because time and time again, we understand that it was indeed Trump the role he plays, the election denialism he promotes, mm. the candidates that he endorsed that caused the Republican Party to do so poorly in the 2022 midterms. So she's trying not to accept that reality because she knows too much of what makes Marjorie Taylor Greene, Marjorie Taylor Greene, is her loyalty to Trump. So she has to do this balance where you've noticed she tries to these days be a little bit more establishment in staying cozy with Kevin McCarthy and not speaking out against him as much as, as some more radical Republicans have. But then at the same time, keeping her hand in the Trump movement and saying, I'm still the radical person you all fell in love with. So mm. interesting dynamic playing out and hopefully she will be turned on by the Trumpsters. <laughs> Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. We'll see you tomorrow.